Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Uh, Bud, we're going to roll our final three position previews kind of into one, sprinkle a little bit of information uh, garnered from the final scrimmage. Uh, but basically, we just want to uh, roll all of this into one podcast so that we're uh, able to do our broader season preview and then move straight into the Virginia Tech preview here uh, in time for the audience to have ample opportunity to consume before next Monday night. So one thing that we're fortunate to be able to pair with and consume an awful lot of is uh, Louisiana Hot Sauce. They're people that make uh, the Nolcast possible and been a great partner for us and uh, we very much look forward to uh, continuing to work with them as we move into year three here. Absolutely, dude. Great, great sponsor for us and uh, great no company. And uh, let's, what do you want to go first? You want to go quarterback? You want to go uh, offensive line? You want to go linebacker? Or do you want to hear about a certain freshman who really has stood out uh, for the second scrimmage in a row? Very nice. Uh, I, I love the tease. I will uh, tell our listening audience that Bud is recording in Las Vegas. It's not our traditional setup. Uh, the audio may be slightly different. So I just want to go ahead and get that out there that uh, we're we're doing this uh, with a little bit of flexibility and realize that, uh, you know, it may sound uh, slightly different uh, to you, the listener. So uh, with that in mind, Bud, why don't you, uh, why don't we circle back? We've already touched this uh, positional preview, but I think it's, I think it's worth revisiting uh, one, one running back in particular who continues to have a really positive spring. No doubt, dude. And that's Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant, the running back they signed, out of Buford last year, uh, three-star kid at, at the end. You know, there were definitely some people who, who thought Tennessee could get him. And it was kind of a, I don't want to say an afterthought in the class, but not somebody who I think everybody was really excited about, including myself. But he's come in and just worked extremely hard. I know in the last podcast I said I had somebody compare him to Mark Ingram, and that, that still stands as far as running style. I don't necessarily think talent uh, is, is there equal with Mark Ingram, <laughs> obviously the guy that uh, I think won a Heisman. But they're really excited about Mark, or, or excuse me, uh, about Anthony Grant, and uh, he had another really nice scrimmage from what I was told. And a number of runs where he broke a lot of tackles, and uh, that's that's encouraging for your running back position. But uh, I think that's the main takeaway I would have from the scrimmage um, that is not related to those three positions that we're going to discuss tonight. Good deal. We uh, we'll kind of give information from the scrimmage where it uh, falls in the particular uh, positional preview. There's just not a ton of information. We thought about doing a standalone episode, and uh, honestly, it would have been uh, probably more clickbaity than it would have been informational, and that's not really the the route we want to go down. So uh, we'll use some of the scrimmage information when appropriate, and uh, probably while nothing directly gleaned from the scrimmage, uh, there does seem to be an, an overall theme as to... Uh, as to the direction of one particular position, and it looks like we're closer and closer, and in fact, it might be even imminent to uh, get in the situation a quarterback wrapped up. Absolutely, dude. So, I believe it's going to be John or Francois. Um, we talked a lot about a lot of different angles about, about Francois. Um, he had to win his teammates back. He had to win the trust of the coaching staff back, and that means cleaning up how he is as a teammate and the off-field antics and behavior. And it seems by all the comments that Willie Taggart has given that, that he is more confident in Tag- or, excuse me in Francois now than he's ever been. Uh, and I, I take Taggart's comments at face value when he praises Francois now because he has also shown the willingness to criticize him publicly. You'll recall that he called him high school Harry uh, when he got here and thought the antics that Francois were displaying were, were immature. I don't think that Francois has won this job overwhelmingly or beyond a, a reasonable doubt 
I'll just I'll tell you all what I hear that Florida State's going to have in the quarterback position with DeAndre Francois this year and why he's going to get the job probably announced on Monday, I would guess. By the time you listen to this, it might already be announced, but we're recording this on Sunday. So, And the big thing here, I, I think, is turnovers, taking care of the football, and how smooth the offense runs when Francois is at the helm. Now, look, Taggart did make the comment that the other quarterbacks know more of the playbook because they were able to participate in spring. That's true. But knowledge of the playbook uh, and actually running the offense and, and having it be smooth and on time are two different variables. From what I'm told, the Francois offense operates the most smoothly or the smoothest out of all, all those. He's also the guy that has done the best job of limiting interceptions. And I think the important thing here is the interceptions come in, in all shapes and sizes. You have interceptions that are, are as a result of poor throws. You have interceptions that are a result of bad decisions. Now, Francois still has poor throws. All three quarterbacks have had some. Uh, Francois has certainly struggled with accuracy at times in, in his career, particularly, you all recall, he had like a 47% uh, completion rate against uh, was it ranked teams, I, I think it was, in, in 2016. Again, small sample, but concerning. However, from what I'm told, he has had the fewest poor decisions, right? If interceptions are going to come with DeAndre, we think it will come as a result of inaccurate or poor throws, not bad decisions. For instance, you know, you can't just, you know, you shouldn't throw a post right into a cover three because, as you know, there's going to be a safety right there in the middle of the field. That type of thing. I'm just giving you an, an example of an, an area where DeAndre has been better than James and, and Bailey Hockman. Uh, but I am, I think, very encouraged here by the work being done at this position. And I, I think that they, they have a good player in Francois. I don't buy this idea that he's a Heisman contender. I don't buy this idea that, look, he, he was, you know, had Heisman odds last year. He's going to be an absolute superstar. You may differ from me there, but I, I don't see superstar in him. I see potentially good to very good player, which I think this offense needs in order to be a really good offense um, this season. He's also, I think, the most mobile out of all the quarterbacks. Now, they've not been running the quarterbacks, especially Francois, in practice a whole lot, obviously, because he is coming off the knee injury. But but quarterback mobility is important in this offense. So I, I that those are the reasons, I think, just the, the better decision-making, the offense running a little bit smoother, and the mobility as to why I think it'll be Francois announced. But it's not a hey, great, Florida State is a superstar quarterback thing. I think the, the real strength of this position, for me at least, is is the great depth that this position now has. Yeah, that was always the thing about Francois coming back and really getting you know back on board with the program, the direction that everybody wanted as far as uh, him being you know a better teammate and all the things that we've well documented, so no, no reason to go over him again. Uh, he's done that, and, and the addition of that meant that you were going to have two guys that had started a full year, and, and you were going to have, uh, you know, not necessarily this great elevation of the ceiling, but the floor has certainly been has certainly been brought up. And I'm not trying to downplay the fact that Francois won this role, uh, but I, I, from you know what we've gathered and what I've heard and, and read other places, it, it doesn't sound like that anybody 
of of any of these three individuals had a had a consistently uh, great performance. And, and I'm not saying that Francois won by default or anything like that. If he's named the starter, congratulations to the kid. He worked his tail off. He came back from a place uh, that many people, myself included, weren't weren't sure he was going to get back from. But uh, there there hasn't been maybe a, a great overall level of play here. And uh, it will be interesting to see how how it kind of evolves throughout the course of the season, and as these individuals get more comfortable with the offense, and and as uh, you know, it's worth reminding ourselves these these newer pieces on the staff get more comfortable with uh, what they have on the roster. I think it's exactly right. Um, and nobody ran away with, with, with this with this camp battle, at least from what we were told. Man, I, I do think it's encouraging that the guy who has had the most success has has been able to to earn the staff's trust out there but yeah you're right they they've all made mistakes i I don't i don't think this is a situation where florida state's going to have the best quarterback in the acc or anything like that i think they could have one of the better quarterbacks in the acc this year and and i believe the floor of this position is is really really encouraging because like you said now you do have two guys who have started an entire year of football and i know there are people out there who don't think james blackman's very good i disagree i don't think he's terrible um or anything like that i think he's actually decent most teams do not have a James Blackman caliber backup waiting to go. And I'll actually tell you that Bailey Hockman did some encouraging things this camp. Now, he's maybe more of a gamer, maybe plays better in scrimmages than he does in practice, uh, and certainly doesn't have the same physical abilities as some of these other guys do. But I can almost guarantee you that there are very few teams out there who have a number three as good as Bailey Hockman. And for that reason, I, I think it gives me a lot of confidence that this offense uh, is not going to like bottom out this year. Right, I think it's going to be pretty darn good because you have that great depth at quarterback. And typically when an offense has a terrible year, the reason is because, I don't say always, but oftentimes it's because the quarterback went down and the backup situation is poor. This backup situation I, w- I would definitely rate you know, very highly. I also think it's interesting that they're asking these quarterbacks to do far different things than they were before. And I, I think we should probably talk about that a little bit if you think it's worth it. Yeah, uh, I very much do. Uh, look, the whole you know everything's going to be different about this offense, and and uh, we've spent an awful lot of time comparing and contrasting uh, the offense of different philosophies, and whether that be how quick they want to snap the ball or what they ask of uh, particular positions uh, of any position, and and it will probably be uh, the most interesting because to the general fan base, because the general fan base seems to feel like the the lay person who follows college football seems to have seems to feel like he has a pretty significant grasp as to what the quarterback's supposed to do on each play, uh, which is humorous at times. But uh, I don't know. It, it will be uh, obviously lethal simplicity is is the the phrase that rings out around the program right now. But uh, the greatest area of interest as far as what lethal simplicity really translates to to a particular position group is is probably quarterback and it's it's just going to be fascinating to watch uh how differently the the quarterback is managed and and what they're really asked to do under this uh, new regime right so so there's a, a lot of plays uh, in this new play in this new playbook that, that they're installing where instead of go- going through progression reads right where, where they're they're reading the whole defense to, to determine the open man in this playbook they're when they talk about lethal simplicity like you said they're reading just one guy. For instance, on, on a lot of these RPO type things they're doing, they're really only reading that play side backer. If he chases, they're going to throw it over over his head. If he sits, 
they're going to hand the ball off or maybe you know maybe motion the back out of the backfield and and if, if the backer runs with them then all of a sudden it, it's qb draw qb sweep if the backer sits and doesn't go with them then you flip it out there to k makers it, it, a lot of it's the same way so there are very few plays that they're repping where it's it's hey i'm reading this side i'm looking at these options and i'm going back to the left side and looking at all those options it, it's it's just a lot simpler uh, and i do think that plays into helping the quarterbacks to make fewer mistakes. Um, that doesn't mean that they're making good throws. I know that both of them, well, I guess all three, uh, did struggle with some of the downfield accuracy in camp. I, I don't think those issues are, are completely fixed. But I do think that the simplicity of this playbook is going to help these guys a good bit uh, and also help to avoid them spiraling. If they have a bad play, I don't think the playbook is very intimidating uh, for them. So that, that's encouraging. You also have to think about just the, the sheer number of dropback passes that, were, that are going to be called. I think we had a, a question related to this on our, our um, preview of the running backs. And, and the person asked, you know, if Florida State's running the ball 50 times a game, how does the breakdown look? Well, the, the corollary to that question is if Florida State's running the ball 50 times a game, how many times are they passing the ball? Probably 25, 28, right? I mean, maybe 30? Of those 30, you know, if you get a breakdown of how many of those are play action, how many of those are, are screens, how many of those are, are quick game, and how many of those are just pure drop back passing, I, I really think that uh, that you're you're probably looking at like maybe a, a quarter of your pass plays are just pure drop backs. That's not very many. And if you think about, look, if if your if your passes overall are only about forty percent. Of, uh, of your game plan and only 10% of that 40% or excuse me, only a quarter of that 40% is, uh, is drop back passing then you're looking at a, at a situation where maybe only 10% of your plays are actually drop back passes I, I think that the way they're designing this offense really fits the personnel extremely well, I think it fits the quarterbacks well and I, I know we'll talk about this in a minute but the offensive line and those guys very well as well I don't know how many times I can say the word well here uh, in, in a short span but that's really encouraging to me is, is the amount of simplicity and I think those guys have picked that up quickly are we ready to move into our confidence rating for this position or is there anything else you wanted to uh, mention about the three prospects that uh, make up the quarterback roster sure so I, I think one question that we've we've had real quickly is hey if Francois wins this job does it mean Blackman didn't take a step forward and then second secondarily if Francois wins this job is Blackman going to redshirt to, to put some space between Francois and Blackman. Uh, the first question, I don't think that him winning it necessarily means that, but I do think that Blackman maybe has not progressed quite to the amount that, that we could have projected for him from year one uh, to year two. I think he's still making some of the some of the mistakes that plagued him last year, not that any of them have been, been perfect. Uh, now, the second question is very interesting to me, especially because of the new redshirt rule to where you can play in four games and, and still maintain your redshirt. Right now, both these guys have multiple years of eligibility left. Are you going to be able to create some kind of gap between them if Francois doesn't you know, end up leaving the program early? Which, again, I don't know that he has the talent to justify going pro early, but then again, you know, he may just be at a place where he's not going to, really not going to get taller and, and, and bigger and whatnot. So there is probably a decent chance that, that he will you know, not be here multiple more years. I don't have the answer to that. I think that's something that the staff's going to have to talk to James Blackman about and say, hey, you know, we think you have a chance to be a starter for us in this program. 
do you want to to try to redshirt to create some separation between you and James or between you and DeAndre or do you want to keep battling for it and I don't I don't know what James will say I don't know if that conversation has happened but I I have to imagine it's at least been kicked around a little bit but any parting thoughts uh, about Bailey Hawkman before we move to our next position group I, I know we've spent most of the time talking about Blackman and Francois and justifiably so they're the two people with starting experience and they were uh, at least assumed to be the the two major candidates uh Hawkman at, at times at least from what I've heard has looked good uh has had his ups and downs like every player will at camp but uh, uh maybe just not the consistency and arm strength needed uh to to really push for the number one job at times just uh just at times seemingly a little bit physically limited yeah, I think that's, you hit it on the head. I think he uh, is just less physically gifted than the other two kids on the roster, but uh, I think there are definitely places he could play. Uh, and, and if he wants to end up doing that, then maybe you know, maybe he would go and go and look. But uh, otherwise, I, I think he's a real nice asset to have on your team as a backup. We ready to give our, uh, our confidence meter rating as far as uh, improved play from year over year? Let's do that. Yeah, you want to go first or you want to go second? I'll go first. I believe I've, I made you put the first number on the board for the last position. Um, I'm going to stick to where I've had a lot of these. I'm, I'm going to go right at a, a, a flat eight here. Had some real rough uh, rough moments last year with a kid who just wasn't ready to play, wasn't having an offense uh, tailored to him at all. Um, certainly there were some nice moments and some nice throws, but overall quarterback play was uh, – was at times dreadful, so I uh, I expect to see a little bit better play just based off the simplicity uh, of the offense and what's asked of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my number at eight on the board. I'm gonna go ten. I I, I just look. Last year they had a true freshman. I think this offense is more friendly based on the the players around them, and I think the, the offense is gonna play better as a unit, and thus I think they'll get better quarterback play. I mean, they might have two guys on this roster or three guys who could play better than Blackman did last year, including Blackman. I think second-year Blackman would be better than first-year Blackman. So I'm going to go 10. I am I'm 100% confident that they will get better quarterback play this year than they got last year. And I think the reason why I'm going 10 instead of a 9 is because I'm, I'm confident in the depth. I like it. Bud, we'll, uh, we'll go from quarterback to offensive line, but before uh, we get into the uh, get into the old big uglies, as Keith Jackson used to call them, we will uh, – We'll talk about uh, the opportunity to uh, interact with us, have a little bit of a fantastic bar crawl uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, the day before uh, the Virginia Tech game. Uh, We've sold a a significant amount of tickets already, so thank you very much to those of you who have already purchased your tickets. And uh, to those that you that have not, uh, let Bud give you more information and uh, hopefully hopefully uh, push you over to the side of uh, somebody that might come and spend a couple hours with us and and uh, enjoy enjoy some some local and high quality beer that's right man come hang out with us in college town madison social central and township for the nolcast bar crawl check in two to four actual bar crawl four to seven ish what do you get first of all you get a personalized nolcast punting is bunting koozie you get a uh, proof Madison Social, you get a proof Mango Wit, and you get a proof Warpath IPA with special Nolcast treatment. So that'll be pretty awesome. Look, man, this is going to be a good time. For those of y'all who came out and hung with us in, uh, uh, back in spring, I know we had a blast. I love meeting our listeners. It's a real passionate group. It's a group that clearly loves the Knolls and, and wants to talk about them and, and uh, you know, share beer with friends. 
uh, and, and fellow Knoll fans. So come out and see us. Uh, tickets are going fast for this. So you definitely want to get in uh, this week. Don't wait until the last minute because uh, I'm pretty sure they only printed a, a limited number of those koozies. And this thing has been uh, – we, we've, we've really been snowballing on selling these tickets lately and, and very thankful and appreciative that you all have already done those. Uh, but uh, there may be a point where we run out of koozies. So we're going to need you to, to sign up now online and, and, and get us – 20 bucks, three beers, and a koozie. Hang out with your Nolcast friends. It's a great deal. I'll see you there at 2 o'clock Sunday before Labor Day. We're, uh, we might have some additional koozies to supply at some point in time, but uh, we'd, we'd love to uh, run out of the first batch. It certainly looks like we will. Uh, just real quickly, hats off to uh, Matt and all the people at Madison Social. Today is their uh, five-year anniversary since they opened. Uh, I know they're celebrating on the 30th uh, officially, but uh, they've been uh, just a – instrumental part of this podcast uh, we mention that all the time but uh, great supporters of the Nolcast and really um, just a, a great addition to the experience of being a Florida State Athletics fan they've uh, they've been just uh, hard to, hard to exactly count how many ways they've uh, just increased uh, what it is to, to follow Florida State whether it be uh, baseball football or, or some of the smaller Olympic sports so hats off to those guys we're happy to be able to work with them and very much uh, look forward to seeing uh, them and and all of you on Sunday. Uh, One final plug, uh, not as though they're not busy doing a lot of other stuff. Uh, Give the For the Table podcast a listen. It's uh, it's a great podcast. It's kind of the podcast uh, about Tallahassee, and uh, I've uh, really enjoyed what they've done so far. So uh, just one one final uh, mention of of what uh, our friends are, are putting out over there at For the Table. All right, let's uh, let's get into this offensive line preview. New coach Greg Fry comes from Michigan, uh, has really worked on a couple things. Number one, simplification. He wants this offense to be able to execute at a high level. They have really simplified things as far as the rules up front for these guys compared to what they were running in previous years. A lot of people thought Jimbo Fisher's offense is overcomplicated in the passing game, and at times I think it could have been. probably was. However, they were also very complex up front, and I do know there were guys on staff in previous years who thought that Jimbo was asking for too many pass protections, too many different ways to block it up and was causing hesitation and was also uh, potentially causing missed assignments and and, and free runners. And look, every offense is going to have some of those. It's not something you can completely fix, but I do think you can reduce it in some ways. And I think Greg Fry has worked really hard to do that with, with some really limited personnel here. They lost Rick Leonard to the draft, knew that was coming. Uh, Fourth-round pick of the Saints, a, a, a pretty good player for you last year uh, at offensive tackle. And then you lost Josh Ball, uh, who was booted after a, a domestic violence accusation, and, and uh, he, he had to go. I think it was the right decision. It also left you in a world of hurt with your tackle depth. And I think that's probably where we should start there with the tackles. And then we'll talk guards and center and maybe end with, uh, obviously, our confidence ratings and, and why we, we think uh, or what they're specifically trying to do to make this unit look better despite some, some very questionable personnel. So if you, if you want to start with the tackles, man, I, I like the first two names you're going to give me. After that, I am uh, – Ingram, it's, it's getting late early. It's it. – <laughs> You like that? I did like that, yeah. Just an unexpected, uh, unexpected little turn to the end of your comment there. Um, so tackles, I, I, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic about this, and I didn't say it was quite to the extent, but I had a – a pretty interesting conversation recently with a, a mutual friend contact of ours, uh, Chuck Oliver, and I was telling him that the you know the loss of Dickerson was 
was almost uh, I don't want to say it was as important to Francois, but it was it was almost indic- indicative as to the direction of the season as Francois. Dickerson's an excellent player uh, for them, and, and, and somebody who look at, he's making the move out 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 to tackle this year, not because it's the better positional fit for him. At the next level, Dickerson's going to be a guard, and I think he's going to be a good one. I think he'll get drafted, uh, and if he has a good year, he could even go early. Uh, he's a really – I think he's a, a top-level player at guard. He's playing tackle because they don't have any other tackles. It's been so bad at tackle depth. When those guys go out, they almost can't run their practice because the the, the rush is just in the backfield so quickly. Like the, the other guys they have playing tackle, they can't play. Not yet. I mean, obviously, you got you got a guy like Jalen Goss who I think they're real high on in the long term. But he's like 265, 270 pounds. He, he just, he, he's not big enough to play right now. He's more of a 2019, probably more likely even 2020 type projection. Dickerson has done a good job, though, acclimating the position. He's always been a, a really good run blocker. He has good feet. What has really, uh, I think, been challenging for him has been the pass protection, which is a lot different at tackle than it is at guard. But you'll see him there playing right tackle, doing a good job in the run game. I think he'll be good enough in the past game. I'm pretty confident that you're going to get decent play uh, out of him. And then on the other side, they, they got Juwan Williams, man, who obviously had the, the shoulder injury he was coming back from. Uh, I know they were they were kind of discouraged uh, by, by the shoulder, but uh, it seemed to have held up in spring. Knock on wood here that it holds up for the fall. Uh, Williams is an excellent athlete for his size. I think it's taken him a little bit a little while to pick up the game. That's where Greg Fry does deserve some credit here for simplifying things for him, allowing his athleticism to take over there at left tackle. And, you know, I don't think their starting tackles are that bad, man. I really don't. They have done a decent job in the scrimmages from what I've been told. I think that they are doing a pretty good job in the run game. The pass game is is less so. But like we spoke about just a couple minutes ago, they're not going to be asked to do that much drop-back passing and and drop-back pass protection. And this team in general is not going to be a very good drop-back passing team right? Play action screens, quick game, running the football. That's what this team is going to excel at this year based on what their personnel is and based on what they've practiced, which I think fully makes sense uh, with what their personnel is. But uh, I mean, look, and there's a good chance that you, these are your same two starters, by the way, uh, next year as well, if, if they both come back and, and, and could be could be end up being really good next year. But we also kind of have to talk about the backups. And the number one backup they have, I, I think, is is Derek Kelly, to be honest. Like, I know Abdul Bello's listed, and I know Mike Arnold's listed, but I think it's it's guard Derek Kelly who's going to be a starter for them at guard. Um, but even if he has to slide out, I, I'm not real confident in him a, after his uh, – it was a knee, right? Um, you know, I, I'm not super confident there. It falls off fast. Whether you're whether you're robbing Peter to pay Paul by taking a guard out to tackle, or you fall further down the depth chart, and really we'll be able to say this at uh, whether you're looking at tackle, guard, or center. Eh, maybe not as much center. You know, the the first team, if you get uh, the level of play that you've seen at time in spring, uh, this this unit has a chance to be pretty decent. But if you start getting into the you know the second or third layer of this unit at at any time, things could go. Uh, could go drastically sideways. Maybe tackles the most uh, stark example of, of uh, as far as what you you fall off from from team one to team two. But uh, I think that's something we can say for the interior t- uh, two positions as well. 
No doubt, dude. I, I think that that's that's something they're going to have to watch. At guard, I I think they're I think they're going to be decent. Um, now they could have been great at guard if they had left Dickerson at guard, but I'd rather be decent at guard and decent at tackle than you know great at guard and absolutely horrible at, t- <laughs> at, at tackle. Right? Like that's not a tenable alignment, and that's why out of necessity you you did move Dickerson to tackle. That's why that's why losing Josh Ball really hurts this team. That, that's a big loss that I think was underrated by people in the offseason, both FSU fans and and in the national media. But so far, you know, Minshew has looked uh, looked better when, he, when he's been healthy. His ankle has, has bothered him. I know he missed a, a decent amount of camp with that, but he also had some good moments. And I think importantly, Cole Minshew has slimmed down some to allow him to be a little more lighter, a little more athletic, and, and stay on the field better, especially with, with, with this up-tempo offense they're going to run. And Derek Kelly, I think, has had a strong camp and definitely knows what they want him to do. He's a veteran. He's a player I believe they can count on. Behind them, look, Mike Arnold, I think, has emerged as probably your your number three-ish guard, uh, with also Babyon Johnson taking some reps at guard, although now with, with the departure of Corey Martinez, I, I think Babyon is, is your clear-cut uh, number two at center there. But I, I do think that you're going to have pretty decent guard play out of this group. Minshew, you know, you're, you're always going to have the idea of uh, – of- concussions in the back of your head with Minshew but uh great to hear that he slimmed down he's he's a, look he's just a giant of a human being and he's and he's always going to be that case but uh you see pictures of the kid during the first year and a half on campus or so and just uh just wonder you know if, if he wouldn't be well served by uh by dropping a little bit of weight and being able to be a little bit more agile and, and still hopefully retain some of that power. So uh, Minshew's always been a uh, really intriguing prospect, uh, a guy that the coaching staff was kind of kind of pleased uh, that they fell to him and, and weren't sure that they'd be able to get at times. But uh, if he's healthy and he's able to play, then yeah, you could have a, you could have a real nice uh, tandem as, as far as what you get from your two interior offensive linemen. I, I totally agree with you there. And then we, we get to the guy that I'm, I'm most excited about on, on this offensive line. It's a guy that's taken a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of smack, right, and a lot of criticism, and deservedly so at times uh, throughout his career based on his play. However, he's also a player who has been, uh, been injured a good bit and played through injury when I think a lot of other guys would have sat out. And uh, now that he got his, you know, his, his hip operated on and, and he's, he's fully healthy – I've been told that Alec Everly has had a great camp. And I'm, I'm excited for him, man, to, to, to fight through all, all the injuries he's had. Some guys would have probably retired with that, but he, he clearly loves football and, and wants to keep playing. And uh, I, I think that everybody's like, man, is Everly really the starter? Oh, my God. Uh, I think they're all going to be eating some crow. Look, is he going to be a high-level NFL draft pick? No, but I think he's going to be a pretty darn good center for you. Uh, and in a zone-heavy scheme, that can make a world of difference for you, a guy who absolutely knows what he's doing. Um, I, I think this offensive line will have fewer like Olay blocks where they just have guys coming through like wildly untouched. And I, I think that's that's going to be encouraging. They're working together better. They are cross-training less. And by cross-training, I mean you don't have a whole lot of guys who are playing like guard and tackle and guard and center. A couple guys certainly you need to for death purposes. But at the old offensive line, uh, they did cross-train a lot. And I believe there's actually a, a lot of benefit to cross-training. I don't want to criticize that, that decision or move. But – I will say that that is a move that I like better when your offensive line is a little more settled and a little more veteran. And with a new scheme and guys who are playing a lot of first-time starters on this offensive line, I think it made a lot of sense to not move the guys around 
that much and to try and develop as much chemistry with them as you possibly could. And I, I think Greg has done about as good of a job as, as he can with that, with you know some, some admittedly pretty limited personnel, especially depth-wise. Everly certainly taking his his share of criticism and uh, is is kind of a a little bit of a lightning rod at times within the fan base, but uh, a guy who's just you know we use this phrase a lot, but has noticeably uh, reshaped his body and will be fascinating to see what you get out of him. I think you made a real good point uh, that the the zone base scheme certainly fits his. Uh, his strengths and and what he could possibly project at as as far as a player and uh if he's again if he's uh healthy and isn't able to go through some of the uh the physical challenges that he has and uh credit to the kid who seemingly has a pretty high pain threshold uh but if he's healthy and, and able to play then he could be you know your real kind of uh leader of a unit and he could be a guy that uh uh has been kind of a lightning rod as i mentioned and and really emerge as a a popular figure just depending on how this offensive line plays and and what he's able to put together in his final year on campus so i think the biggest thing that that they're going to do this year to help the offensive line out and they're doing a number number of things that i think are going to be very helpful to the offensive line i i want to be clear about this i do not think their personnel is better this year i think that they have downgraded in terms of talent this year versus last year, offensive line talent-wise. But when we do our confidence picks, I think you'll see, we both think there's a chance they could be better, maybe, than they were last year, despite the the, the loss of, of talent up front. However, they're doing a lot of things to really help these guys out. Number one, they are going to run the quarterback. When you run the quarterback, that gives you an extra blocker. It changes the blocking angles. Those of you who have listened to the show for several years have heard me complain about the lack of this in the old offense that, that there were a lot of things the old offense did that made the offensive line look worse than it actually was. I think that is why there was a disconnect between the casual fans saying this offensive line is garbage and the NFL saying, actually, we, we see that they're asked to do a lot of really complex stuff and, and we like several of these players and we're going to draft them. But I do think there's going to do a number of things to help them look better and, and play better. Uh, running the quarterback is one. Also, the, all, all the read game stuff that they're going to do. When you read a player, you leave that player unblocked, and he becomes the read guy. So he, he determines whether the quarterback is going to give or keep or sometimes give, you know, give the ball or, or throw it with an RPO. That means that you're double teaming at the point of attack. You're leaving one guy blocked to read, uh, and then you're climbing to the second level to pick off a linebacker. That gives you a numerical advantage and also an angles advantage if you're an offensive line. It's not, uh, it's not a, a be-all, end-all solution. But it is a way to, to help you play better. Uh, also, with how much play action you're doing, there's going to be a lot of passes where the offensive line is going to be able to basically run block. This is important as well, Inger, because what is the toughest thing to do as an offensive lineman? Straight drop back passing, especially if the defense knows that you like to do it a lot because they're just pass, pass protection is tougher than run blocking is. It just is. It's it's. One and one is more of a passive thing. I know the offensive line coaches love to say pass protection is not passive, but compared to run blocking, yes, it is. Uh, doing all those things differently, the amount of, of screens and, and quick game that they're going to run as well uh, is going to put this offensive line in a better position than it was put last year, along with the simplica- simplification of the scheme. Be be awful interesting to hear. Um, I think, uh, and I don't want to muddy the two the waters too much, but uh, it'd be fascinating to see what Fry. 
uh, brings to the table. Uh, if I mention this during the defensive ends, I'll mention it real briefly during the offensive line as well. Triggett was a great coach, uh, uh, depending on who you talk to, but you can't uh, you can't dispute his his overall record or, or those in the game that valued his opinion. Um, but you know, Trickett and uh, it, it didn't it didn't end well, particularly uh, with with Trickett and Jimbo Fisher. There was. Uh, I think multiple times that Trickett left in the middle of practice. Um, I don't say this just to bring about and, and try to relive some of the crazy stuff that happened last year, but uh, I do think that there's a, a very high level of Im- improvement possible just because you're not going to have some of the side distractions and drama that surrounded uh, some of the coaching staff uh, and and some real strong personalities that kind of came to a head last year. So uh, just another reason for optimism when it comes to this particular position group and uh, kind of a final final comment that I would uh, thought I would throw in. They certainly had some disagreements about how certain plays and and schemes should be run or used or or implemented. And uh, man, that's uh, that's going to be going to be really interesting to watch this year let's get to our uh our, our confidence uh oh by the way backup center you know baby i think has the the athleticism and the physicality to to do it the question is just going to be the snaps uh he, he's still having a, a decent amount of trouble snapping the ball uh and if 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 he has to go in there um you know that's that's a problem uh as far as the snaps go now the blocking i think is fine it's just i would not be super confident if he's in there snapping the ball and and that's that's got to be a bit of a concern but i guess it's time for us to go confidence and again for those of y'all out there we are rating one to ten how confident are you this unit is going to play better than last year's unit played i'll let you go first here bud oh boy okay so if you could tell me that they were going to keep like if this was a video game and you could just turn injuries to off i was going to say if this is a video game and you can either turn injuries off or some kind of attribute cards to fix various injuries that come about throughout the season uh, I would feel far more optimistic about this group than maybe I thought I would have even six weeks ago yeah but I, I think the depth here is, is very perilous uh, wait I shouldn't say very perilous perilous is probably already descriptive enough so I'm gonna go five and a half I think it's kind of just a toss-up whether, whether they're a lot better than they, than they were last year because of the depth I think the starters will be a lot better but I think the backups will be significantly worse if they're pressed into action than, than the backups were last year. I think that they have real depth issues that uh, if they lose a tackle, I'm going to probably start picking them to lose against the, the better half of their schedule quickly. Uh, so I'll go five and a half. I will go with a seven, and maybe I'm just a little more optimistic overall uh, as far as some of the downsides. Uh, I don't know that I've ventured much lower than seven on any of these things. I think uh, – the coaching changeover is going to help this unit a lot. I agree with you that some of the pieces uh, are by no means an improvement over what was on the line uh, last year, but I think uh, you're going to have a lot more guys that are uh, fully confident in what's being asked of them. I think they'll be able to play uh, at a higher level without thinking or overthinking things. And uh, I think, again, as long as we don't have concentrated injuries anywhere along the line, particularly out wide, uh, that this group will be, uh, you know, a, a, a decent little uh, uptick as as opposed to what you saw last year. Ingram, seven is also very close to the number of home loans that Resolution Home Loans has done with NOLCAST listeners so far. Bam, that is a transition. That's, that's what we call a transition. Very happy to work with Chad and Shannon for getting that our season. Resolution Home Loans with their almost home 
guarantee program. They, they want to get you into your home quickly, but they want to keep you informed every step of the process as well. They want to close fast, lethal simplicity all, all the way with those guys. I've been in the mortgage business for many years. Uh, we, we've had a, a number of, of our listeners uh, have success with them and even some listeners you know, who said, hey, like, you know, it wasn't right for me at, at this time to get home, but I, I really I, I enjoyed working with those guys and how they walked me through the process, kept me informed, communicated well. And and uh, the mortgage process can be can be complicated. It can be intimidating. And, and, and Chad and Shannon uh, want to make it fast and friendly uh, for you. So how do you get in touch with them? 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or just go to nolcast.com slash loan. That's nolcast.com slash loan. And we'll get you redirected right to our friends at Resolution Home Loans. I like how you jumped straight into that and we didn't have to associate our good friends with Resolution with maybe some of the, the conversation that will take place with this next position group. So we don't want to be overly dramatic about it. I mean, we've certainly uh, kind of referenced this throughout camp. Uh, linebackers, maybe we're wrong. Maybe maybe uh, four months from now, bud, we look and we have some of these pieces play at a, a much higher level than maybe we expect. It's certainly what uh, – you and I as uh, supporters of the the football program, I think, would would want. But at this moment in time, uh, it's not necessarily the the information that's being passed our way. So uh, we're not, you know, nobody revels in being critical kids. And we don't by any means try to take things uh, into a personal level or anything like that. But it's it's just the fact that uh, we've heard a a series of uh, concerning stories when it comes to this particular position group. Yeah, yeah. Man, I think a lot of people, if you just asked the fans, hey, what, what's the weakness of this team? They would probably tell you offensive line. Uh, I would tell you it's linebacker. Uh, it's not been good throughout camp. It wasn't good in spring. They don't have very many good players there. Now, it doesn't mean that some of those guys can't be good players eventually. But right now, this is the worst position on the team. That's what I get from the people I talk to over there. Raymond Woody has, has got quite the task ahead of him this year coming over from, from Oregon, but been with Willie Taggart for a while. Uh, I, I do think that he's an upgrade at linebackers coaching over over Bill Miller, the, the departed coach. I think he's going to connect with these guys better. But, man, so far the results, uh, I just hmm. – and this is not a real tough scheme for linebackers to learn. I, I think that's what also has been concerning for me here is that, you know, it's not like these guys are asked to play a real tough thing. I think I think there's some complexity in this defense for safeties, but but not for the linebacker spots. It's a, it's a three linebacker defense, but as we spoke about, one of those linebackers, the the star position, is really more more of a hybrid linebacker slash safety. Well, I guess we can you know, we can go over briefly uh, who they lost: uh, Matthew Thomas, Roderick Hoskins, and Jacob Pugh. And uh, I I think that those guys are significant losses. And if you understand the level of players players those guys were, then you understand my concern for this position because those guys were not superstars, and yet off this roster they were. Very important losses, and I believe those guys would either be starters or major contributors on this unit if they were still here. Let's let's start with Dontavious Jackson, though, because when he's been healthy, he's been kind of the one uh, brighter spot. He's uh, he's played real well. Again, a guy that uh, has has benefited from a change in the uh, strength and conditioning program. He has uh, taken to a new message and a new. Uh, you know, just some of the new challenges that have been thrown their way looks to be in the 
uh, you know, a term frequently thrown around, but looks to be in the best shape of his life, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jackson looks poised to have a good year and uh, certainly going to be dependent upon him uh, staying healthy and and playing at the level that's possible. Uh, we've said this multiple times. Jackson is, is probably the only piece that you have uh, – we'll get to a freshman or two that might be slightly different, but one of the only pieces that you have that you could kind of uh, uh, throw around at various other college football powerhouses and expect to at least see playing time. Not necessarily a starter, but Jackson would uh, would get snaps at, at most places. I'm not sure we're going to be able to say that for too many other pieces, at least right now, uh, on this roster. But uh, Jackson's a, a guy who's poised to have a big year, uh, obviously a, a big-time recruit out of the state of Texas. If he uh, is able to play at the level that uh, some think he's capable of, then, yeah, maybe uh, maybe you get a, a respectable level of play overall. So uh, Jackson, we've mentioned this multiple times, but in my opinion, uh, Jackson will be one of the few like singular uh, linchpins as to ultimately how successful this, this unit is as a whole and, and maybe ultimately – how successful parts of parts of the season are uh, when you um, not try to put it on on one kid or over overburden one individual, but uh, there's not a whole lot of other uh, real nice options uh, when you're looking at uh, at what you have at the linebacker position. Indeed, and look, Jackson's been slowed by a tailbone injury this the second half of camp, but uh, I believe that they're just holding him out primarily as a precaution because they really do need him to be ready for Virginia Tech. He hadn't played in either scrimmage uh, and had to practice in a little bit, but uh, I think by far your best linebacker. Uh, after that, uh, at the star position, I, I think it's most likely going to be Jaden Woodby. Jaden Woodby is a true freshman, but a five-star came in early and enrolled. We've spoken numerous times on the Nolcast about how much this staff loves Jaden Woodby. I mean, he the first name out of Harlan Barnett's mouth when I asked him, uh, you know, who, who, are your, who are your film junkies? The guys who are always in there putting in extra time and and working to get better, and uh, it, it was Jaden Woodby first out of his mouth. He, he, uh, I think he's going to be a very good player for them. I think he might be a good player for them immediately, and I think he probably will start for them uh, on day one. Good size for, for that position. I mean, he's probably too, I don't know, too tennis. Uh, just, just eyeballing him. Uh, excellent speed. A true freshman. True freshman starting. So again, there's going to be some uh, some bumps in the road to be sure, uh, but. That, that's a position that's going to be asked to cover some guys in space and to be physical against the run, and I think Woodby is, is your guy that fits that spot for you the best he possibly can. It, it's maybe not the ideal guy. I think you'd, you'd rather be able to use him at safety if you could because you're able to get more size on the field. Um, but uh, given what they have, I think Woodby is a, is a nice candidate for them at star. All right, bud. We'll uh, we'll move to some of the some of the other players that have been in the been in the roster or been on the roster for a little bit. Uh, Adonis Thomas is is the next player we'll feature. Uh, again, not trying to take shots at a kid, and uh, certainly appreciative of anybody that plays ball at Florida State. Uh, but so far, it just hasn't hadn't been a great fit, and hasn't seen uh, a whole lot out of uh, out of Thomas that would make you think he'd give you. A, a consistent high level of play. Yeah, I, I think Adonis knows the defense, but uh, so far I, I think he's had a, a lack of physicality, and uh, we'll see if, if that light can turn on. Uh, maybe it can. Uh, certainly, he's a decently athletic player, but not uh, you're not a guy who's an athletic freak and uh, need needs more physicality out of him. And and this is really something that I think we can talk about 
about Thomas and and Brown and, and Warner and these guys. Um, some guys just have the ability to to react and trigger quickly and and go and, and fill their gaps like they're asked to do. And some guys so far have just struggled with this. And and those three really, I, I mean, not to not to all of a sudden to start diagnosing three players, but I, I think it, they they have similar issues here in some ways. Uh, some have more physicality issues. Some have more of an issue of uh, not diagnosing quickly enough, and thus the, the blockers get up to them before they can they can take the advantage on the blocker with their positioning and, and their triggering on time. Uh, that's really been an issue: is, is backers not triggering um, and, and not getting downhill. I don't think it's a pure comfort thing in this defense. I, I think it's just uh, maybe a player ability type thing. Um, they they're probably not going to solve this this year. I think they need to solve this through recruiting, which is why they're they're hard on some of these linebackers and letting these linebackers know, look, man, you really could start for us, uh, for sure. But, uh, uh, man, it's uh, it's not uh, super encouraging there. Uh, Warner has obviously been backing up Ontavious at, at Mike Backer. I don't know that he has necessarily the, the ideal athleticism you would look for in order to play the, the, the Sam position, which is the you know, the money backer that the other side – Opposite the star, next to the mic, the the the, the, uh, the money backer is typically going to align more to the boundary in this defense. Um, and so, one guy I know that's been getting some reps there uh, is DeKalen Brooks. And look, DeKalen's obviously pretty undersized, uh, and he's not an incredible athlete. I think he's a, a fine athlete, but he's not uh, not somebody with great length, not somebody with amazing athleticism, but yet. He does seem to, to see the defense and is able to trigger downhill, which is something that they need. And if you're this this defensive staff, you just got to try and it's pick your poison in, in some ways. Pick, pick your own poison. Do you, do you go with, with somebody who's bigger but maybe not, uh, not super understanding what they wanted to do or not able to do what they wanted to do? Or do you go with somebody who lacks length and, and lacks size and is not crazy athletic? but who is able to, to trigger and, and generally play within the confines of the defense. I, I don't have a great answer to that. I don't know that there is a great answer to that on this roster. We're just going to have to see. But so far in camp, uh, the, the linebackers have, have stood out like a sore thumb as far as being a position that doesn't really measure up. It's, it's uh, disappointing, but not unexpected. I think we've kind of talked about that for a while. You know, I think they like him at Rice to a certain extent, but yet – He's a guy that in high school certainly would react and trigger and, and get after the run like they want this unit to do. It's Again, it's a fairly simple scheme uh, that they're using. It does make me question if, if Emmett Rice is all the way recovered from, from his knee injury. Because if, if so, then he's a guy that I would expect to be able to, to get downhill with quickness. And yet, I do think there's some things they can do in this, in this scheme, Ingram, to help these guys out. And the number one thing is I, I think you're going to call it a boatload of run blitzes. If, if the guys can't see the center blocking down and, and, and the guard pulling around and knowing, all right, damn it, I, I got to get there now. I got to scrape over the top. I got to go fill this hole. This is real pretty simple stuff that they're asking to do. And that's, I think, why we're so disappointed in the camp reports because we know that the linebacker responsibilities in this defense are not that tough. And yet they're still not able to do them. Well, you know what? If I can't trust you to read and react and, do, and, and get in the backfield like that, I'm probably just going to send you like 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 at, at the snap, and I'm going to blitz you, and I'll I'll, I'll deal with the consequences, um, and and we'll see how much they do that. But that could be a solution at times. It'll also get you burnt uh, sometimes. But we spoke previously about how this defense is okay with giving up some big plays because they're going to get the ball back for their offense anyway. And the the, the real enemy of, of this scheme 
is an opponent who's going to hold the ball uh, for a long time. It'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, I feel like you've got some pieces who have a, a, the ability to play at a higher level. Uh, like you said, I think ultimately uh, the the grander concerns at this position are, are you're going to have to recruit your way out of. Uh, a lot of linebacker play is just dictated by kind of a, a feel that you have, uh, instincts as to how to read what's in front of you. And um, certainly guys can progress at that uh, as they go through their career. But a lot of that you just either grasp as a defensive football player or you don't. So uh, it will be fascinating to see if any of these guys take any kind of, uh, you know, just just really emerge or, or take, a, take to new coaching and put themselves in a place to maybe play at a higher level than we don't otherwise or we aren't otherwise able to, to project tonight. But, um, yeah, this group could uh, – Again, any group of injuries uh, could could head south pretty quickly. But if if you tell me you're looking at a swath of the schedule where you're missing Dontavious Jackson for four games or something like that, then yeah, this this could uh, turn turn pretty ugly pretty quickly. But uh, hopefully, we'll uh, have success with this group, and maybe it plays a little bit better than than what we expect tonight. But uh, are you uh, ready to give your confidence rating, or is there anything else that you want to uh, impart on our listeners? Uh, as far as the linebackers go, well, I, I mean, I think the thing I'm most most excited to see with this linebacker unit is is if anybody maybe the light comes on second half of the season, uh, and I'm also excited to see just how much small lineup this team can get away with playing. Right, uh, I think your your best lineup might be would be Jackson and, and Brooks, but there are some teams that you probably can't play that against due due to the lack of size there. So we'll have to see, and, and certainly I think you know Woodby is a guy who's not used to playing tackle to tackle he's been a guy that's played a lot more space so again some of these teams that load up and run the ball a little more we'll have to see just how that works and again like we said on the defensive line preview you, you your your five-star talent on this team is is up there on the defensive line you need those guys to dominate and and, and play uh, like dominant five-star type players and if you get that well then these linebackers are going to look a heck of a lot better than they actually are if you don't then they can get exposed so it really you, you need your strengths to be your strengths in order to minimize your weakness, and that's D line being a strength. And linebacker, uh, man, we'll we'll see. I, I think uh, I think Raymond Woody's done a good job with them so far to the extent he can. But this is uh, so confidence rating. Uh, it's it's your turn to go uh, uh, to go first, man. <laughs> yeah, it's how uh, confident it, are you? They're going to be better than last year. It's a toughie. I mean, you know, when you when you look at uh, the fact that Matthew Thomas, who at times just looked like he had never played football before for us, is uh, is having like situational formations created for him, so that he's a potential. He's not going to be a like a traditional starter, but he he has the chance to see first team reps for the Pittsburgh Steelers at linebacker this year. That's that's really disappointing when you think what we ultimately got out of that kid, but. Uh, Nonetheless, all a, a way too wordy way of saying that I think there's pieces on this roster that you're going to miss. Uh, guys, when we talk about the development deficit, I'm not sure there's anywhere that that's a better example than what you see at linebackers. It's just a tough situation. I, I think, in, and I may be optimistic in saying this, but I'm, I'm going to put a three and a half on the board. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go three. Uh, I think there's only about a 30% chance uh, that uh... – that they are better than last year. I know people won't like that, but I think I've predicted uh, like more than fives on most of these. But I'm, I'm going to go three. I, I, that means to me, it's not impossible that it happens, but uh, I think it's more likely than not that it does not. 
We'll wrap it up there. I uh, want to thank listeners, as always. These position group previews are uh, a, just a fun thing for us to do to look over the entirety of the roster and hopefully give you guys a, a decent idea as to uh, what you might see this year. Uh, thank you for all your support. Five stars on iTunes if you feel comfortable doing so. Any kind of review is uh, is great for us. And just thank you for your uh, support. And we uh, – Look forward to putting together one or two more preview shows. And after that, Bud, we will be into uh, into actual blocking and tackling and uh, excited, very, very excited to, to jump into the 2018 version of, of what the Florida State football team is going to look like. Five stars on iTunes. <laughs>